the Royals, like all teams, are participating in the Major League Draft, a three-day affair that wraps up today. They made news with their first-round selection, left-handed pitcher Frank Mazzucato from a Connecticut high school. We discussed the selection and the draft in general with beat writer Linworthy and columnist Vahe Gregorian and Sam Mellinger. It is Tuesday, July 13th. I'm Blair Kirkhoff, and this is Sportsbeat KC, the Star's daily sports podcast. This show started as a Sportsbeat Live. We also discussed the Royals selecting local high school products with their second and fourth selections, and we get into Salvador Perez's terrific performance at the Home Run Derby on Monday and why Royals fans were upset with the ESPN coverage. Let's get started talking Royals. Welcome to Sportsbeat Live, our weekly chat session about the Kansas City Royals with the people who know them best and with you. Please send us your questions and comments, and we'll get to as many of them as we can. Hey, before we introduce this crew, let's let's uh, shout out a shout out to the to our sponsor, the University of Kansas Health System. You'll be hearing from them later in the show. You'll also be hearing from Frank Mazzucato later in the show as well. We'll tell you who he is after we tell you who these guys are. Sam Mellinger is here. What's up, guys? Vahe Gregorian and Lynn Worthy also here today. How are you guys doing? Everybody good? Great. I'm fine. I'm yeah, really fine. Yeah. Okay. Play ball. Well, play ball. You. Play ball. We're <laughs> off to a flying start here. So um, <laughs> it, was, um, it wasn't just draft day. It is draft day, right? It's the third of three days of the Major League Baseball draft, and we are uh, – Ten selections have been made. There are ten more to go today. First round on Sunday, two rounds two through uh, ten on Monday, and 11 through 20 today. So the Royals, like all Major League Baseball teams, have had ten selections. Um, Actually, 11. There was a competitive balance one in there, too. Thank you very much, Lynn. That's that's why he's here. That's why <laughs> Lynn is here, to correct me, which uh, is why he sits next to me, because he <laughs> often has to. So... Uh, so anyway, a lot of picks on the on the board. It used to be fifty, right? Now we're down to it, it was five last year because of the pandemic. Um, fifty, forty before then, fifty back in the day, uh, but now it's twenty. Is it gonna is it gonna stay at twenty? Do we know or? I think it's still up in the air um, because I think you know, especially with uh, next year, there's gonna be a new collective bargaining agreement and everything. So I mean, I, I just assume that everything's up in the air <laughs> going into next year. But I think coming out of the pandemic and everything. Um, you knew it was going to be reduced, not as much as last year, but it was somewhat reduced. And then um, I, th- I think it's a play by ear going forward. I wonder because I wonder how how many rounds you, baseball has decided that they only need twenty rounds to fill minor league teams, right? That's yeah. the thing. The, the number of minor league teams have been reduced, obviously, to four. You don't have to stock seven or eight teams anymore. But uh, it just didn't seem like twenty is enough. But you know, what do I know? So, well, well, just the mention of the 50th just makes me think of this, and I don't know this answer, but maybe you guys do. Is Gerard, Gerard Dyson certainly the last of the 50th picks? Is he the first and only of the 50th picks that had a Piazza was Piazza, the, the famous he was the third round pick, <laughs> the famous late latest round pick of all time? Yeah, yeah. Piazza, yeah, the family favor or something, right? Wasn't yeah. it? Uh, the right, sort of family friend. Or something? Yeah, 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 exactly. A family friend who turned out to be Boy, one of the best hitting catchers of all time. I, I'd forgotten forgotten that if I ever knew it. That's 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 wild. But Dyson certainly, with his draft position, <laughs> provided more than could be expected <laughs> from from that. But that was remember Art Stewart used to tell us about Dyson that uh, you know when you get that low, let's just look for a quality in a player that 
you know, uh, in Dyson's case, speed, athleticism, and then we'll help him develop mm -hmm. his baseball skills. And the Royals did just that, and he has um, certainly outperformed his, his draft uh, selection spot. So, okay, so the Royals take with their, uh, uh, with their first round pick, number seven overall, as we mentioned, Frank Mazzucato, uh, high school pitcher, lefty from East Catholic High in Connecticut. Interesting pick. Interesting selection. Um, he was not on anyone's mock draft that I saw. I don't think he was in the first round of anybody's mock draft that I saw. But mock drafts, take them for what they are, which is just, just guesswork, dart throwing, whatnot. I'll give you some numbers on him, uh, and then we'll hear from Frank, and, just, and then we'll hear from Frank after that, and we'll talk about him. So he was uh, Baseball America's number 42 prospect, MLB.com's number 39 prospect, um, a uh, fastball that measures consistently 91 to 93. He um, had big strikeout uh, numbers, 135 Ks and 55 innings pitched. 20, I think I got this from your story, Lynn. Averaged 21.7 Ks per nine inning in high school. Threw four consecutive no hitters this year, and um, and was you know just a you know lanky lefty. So. Let's, let's do this. Let's hear from Frank right now, Frank Mazzucato, and then let's come back and talk about him. I would definitely say I improved, you know, most of my fastball. Um, okay. You know, I was able to jump velocity five miles, five, six miles an hour. Yeah. Um, and just become, you know, even sharper with, you know, all my pitches, my mechanics staying nice and fluid and, you know, maintaining velocity and stuff like that in my command. So I definitely feel like everything, you know, attributed to this big jump. You're jumping into a whole new world here, mm -hmm. but it's an exciting world and one where you can, kind of be a sponge and, and learn from, you know, the organization that you're a part of. What are you excited about and eager um, to kind of start learning and developing at the next level? I'm just excited to get better every day and become a better, you know, player, but a better person as well. And, you know, maturing into myself even more and, um, you know, really, you know, dig down and become a better, you know, become a better pitcher, learn more about it, learn more about myself as well, you know, you know, go win a World Series. That's that's the goal. Okay. I like that as a goal. Win a World Series. That, that works. Um, so, <laughs> I'm sorry. I've, I've made a vow to stop, <laughs> to stop sighing. You know what I've noticed? I don't sigh as much during Chiefs <laughs> sports beat lives. Used to. <laughs> Uh, the sigh has become a signature move. Here, yeah, so, yeah. At least ever since Lynn pointed it out, <laughs> right. you can't get away my, from it. My go-to. Uh, <laughs> whenever, whenever I need to talk about something that needs an explanation. <laughs> Which is often. Yeah, yeah. When, when we talk royal. So, look, he's Frank Mazzucato, great numbers, right? Um, terrific senior year in high school. And we just a little sample size there, you know. It just seems like a you know, eager to learn, good guy, all that stuff. But Sam, let's start with you on this. Um, were you were you surprised, and if so, why? And let's just talk about why the Royals went with this pick instead of kind of it, it, it kind of contrary to their recent trend. I was shocked, and like <laughs> you probably like I, I don't get shocked by a lot in sports because you never know what can happen. But I, I thought Jordan Lawler made a lot of sense. So he goes at six to Arizona, right? 
Um, but then Rocker just fit. Those two guys, to me, like fit what the Royals have shown themselves to value in, in, in recent years. And so I was really surprised that they didn't take Rocker. Uh, now, the, the strategy behind it, I get. I know that the Royals are getting crushed for this in, in a lot of places, but I get signing Mazzucato for whatever it's going to be, three million, I don't know, uh, for way below slot instead of Rocker for over slot, and then you right. can spread it around later. That strategy, to me, actually makes sense. I know the Royals are getting crushed for that. What I don't like about the pick is just a high school pitcher. I just think if you go back in the, the history of high school pitchers taking that high, it's not very good. You know, the project, I get what they're saying. He, he's athletic, pitchability, which is, you know, sort of jargon for athletic, can overcome obstacles that are inevitable in this path to, to pro ball or to, to the major leagues. Um, I, I get all that, but just the history of high school pitchers is, it just shows that that is a very risky, you know, even on the scale of, of a baseball draft. You know, th those guys are really, really hard to predict. That, that's the part of it that kind of especially, you know, raises the eyebrow for me. Um, I, I guess I'd only say, you know, it's been a, a tough decade or so for first-round picks with the Royals. I mean, they've, they've had some success, but and some things not come to fruition yet. Some guys traded. But um, if this does sort of represent a little difference in the way they've done it, then, you know... To me, I, I think the jury's out. We had, had no idea. I never have, feel like I have any idea where these, these are going. I, I, but I'm not, I'm not uh, troubled by them maybe taking a little different stance just, just because I, maybe they need to shake up some of the way they look at things. Baseball's draft is the most unpredictable of the, of the drafts. I mean, just, we're dealing with a combination of college players who have been around for at least three years. Uh, if they went to a major four-year school, junior college players and then, and then high school kids. And there's... Um, uh, and, and, and unlike the NBA where there's two rounds, there's 20 this year. So, uh, Lynn, what did, what did Dayton Moore, Lonnie Goldberg, Lonnie Goldberg say about, uh, this, about Frank Mazzucato? Well, specifically with Frank, you know, they liked the fact that, you know, he had a really good feel for the curveball. They talked a lot about his spin. Um, he's experienced the jump in velocity. They think there's still more in there. Um, we're talking about a guy who, and like we, we mentioned earlier, he wasn't necessarily projected at that spot. Um, he was getting more buzz, like as that last senior year went on. You know, I uh, actually spoke with, with the area scout who scouted him the other day, and he was saying that it was by the end of that season, you know, it started to get to be where a couple, actually not even by the end, a couple starts in, it was spreading by wild, like wildfire, like this guy that everybody's got to see, this left-hander, and he's made this jump from, you know, people knew who he was to now everybody, you got to see him and see where he's at now. Um, that being said, I think the thing that stood out that night when we talked to Dayton and Lonnie was just Dayton talking, it really seemed to, um, at least it surprised me how Dayton was talking about just the, the longer approach and being more patient. Because when I asked about, you know, a couple years ago, even last year, the college pitchers and, you know, whether it's Asa Lacey or Singer and Bubich and all those guys, um, and this obviously being different, and Dayton talked about, well, if we're going to have sustained success, we've got to be able to shoot for guys who have a bigger upside and can be potential ones and twos, and um, you know, and then also adding in there that yeah, we know it might take longer, and you know, we're willing to pay the price for you know down the line. And so that was the thing that stood out to me is to hear him say that after we'd seen what they'd done in recent years with the college guys. Right. I mean, the whole idea of taking the college guys in, from in 2018 and then 2019 was to be competitive soon, as soon as possible, and this marks a little bit of a different philosophical approach. Doesn't it, Sam, for... Absolutely. <clears throat> I mean, I, I think that 
I don't know this. I'm, I'm reading between the lines on this a lot, but um, I think there's some John Sherman in here. I, I think that there's a difference. And look, this isn't a, a radical departure from what the Royals have been. They did it in, was it 2013? The Dozier Mania draft. Yeah, right, right. Um, they paid Dozier, they drafted Dozier eighth and paid him 15th slot. They drafted Mania 30 something and paid him fifth slot. Yep. You know, I mean, this is a strategy that other teams have utilized a lot as well. But I, I just, I'm just listening to what Lonnie's saying and what Dayton's saying, and it just seems like there's a John Sherman influence here about that, that whole be competitive every year thing. I know everybody says that, the Royals have said that in the past, but their actions have not backed that up. Now I think their actions are backing that up. I, 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 I just I see a different sort of philosophical 30,000 foot you know, sort of um, philosophy. It, and it really, it is interesting to think about how it fits into kind of the broader matrix, right? I mean, that's, that's the, whole, the whole point. Like, it, it, does it reflect something that's, you know, we allocate this up front, that there? What, and also, what I do wonder is what it, what it means about what they think has happened with this, this series of college pitchers. I mean, I don't think you can feel like the eagle has landed there. On the other hand, they must feel some sense of um, maybe less immediacy about you know, this sort of this sort of pick. Um, so I'm, I'm, I guess I'm a little confused about what the broader message is. What's the what's the hesitation for drafting a high school pitcher early? What's what's the what what's the advantage and the disadvantage of the high school the the 18-year-old high school senior versus the 21 or 22-year-old college, you know, junior? Yeah, there's just a lot more space between where they are and the big <laughs> leagues, and and it's harder pr to project. A pitcher because the margins are a lot smaller you know like hitters if they have the tools they're not all going to make it right some are going to be Bubba Starling but like with with a pitcher <laughs> a pitch right here is a great pitch and it's a strikeout the pitch right here gets hit 400 feet and it's just and you can't you know the, the people that have been in the game a heck of a lot longer than I have uh, than any of us um, will tell you you know pitchers can only develop to their level of competition and you know so if you know, a pitch, again, it's kind of the same thing, but a pitch that, that gets an out in A ball is going to get hit pretty hard in, in double A. That is magnified to triple A. That's magnified to the big leagues. It's just plus injuries, you know, all these other things. It's just there's a lot, there's just a lot of different factors that are going on there. One thing I think about is over the last 10 years or so, the how prevalent kind of year-round baseball is for, for kids, even in this part yeah. of the country, right? So, uh, and we'll talk about, uh, you know, a couple other early-round picks that, that were local by the Royals, but I think, I think high school pitchers are more developed now than they've ever been, That's just true. because there's more opportunity for them to, to pitch in the off-season, especially if you're in a cold-weather climate like, uh, uh, you know, Mazzucato is. Um, but the other thing is, you know, he didn't, in particular, for for Mazzucato, didn't pitch the previous year because of the COVID, right? Pandemic. So um, maybe his arm is, you know, it doesn't have three years of college, yeah. you know, abuse. You know, and some some of these colleges really abuse arms, right? Sure. Pitching guys 150 pitches a game or something. So I look at that as a pos maybe a potential yeah. positive. Yeah. Lynn, where where would he start? Assuming he signs, um, where where do you see him starting at the? Uh, I would, Quad cities, or I mean, you know, now with the uh, the different level of the minors, the way it's it's shaken up. I mean, I think 
He's probably got to start at the lowest level just because I mean he's gonna he's he just turned eighteen last month. Right. Um you talk and he's also a guy, you know, like we were talking about this, um, you know, just the the fact that he hasn't been a year round guy until I think he was when we talked to him until like this past year. And even this past year, it's still not a full year because he didn't have the last spring. And he was talking about, you know, um in the northeast it's been shut down with COVID and everything that just he was playing catch in the backyard with his brother, who's a college pitcher, and like you know, training was you know putting extra books in a backpack and doing stuff like that. I mean, like so that's what it was until the fall. <laughs> yeah, until the fall, and then he, and then you know he he got into um, a training program and everything. But I mean, so this isn't a guy who's been going full bore all year round. So I think just part of you know past conversations I've had with Royals is like when you get these new guys and you got to get them on a, a routine, get them acclimated to just, you know, um, getting on the schedule. I mean, he hasn't pitched every fifth day. Even a guy like Casey Lacey, that's, that's the first thing you got to do is get him into, a, you know, a routine of being able to pitch on a regular basis, know how they sort of have to get um, their bodies in tune for that. So I think he's got to start at the lowest level, and he's, like I said, really young, and then work his way up. I'm just not sure how that changes this year, you know, now that you don't have um, as many low levels. I mean, I don't know if that means he's at Arizona in the complex for an extended period of time. I wouldn't be surprised. Okay, okay. One of my favorite websites is, uh, in addition to Baseball Reference, which we all use, right, is the Baseball Cube. You yeah. ever guys ever go to Baseball Cube? I, yeah. I really like it because you can break down the draft, um, uh, filter it, and, and, and break it down. So to Sam's point earlier about high school pitchers, the Royals, when they took a pic pitcher with their first pick, not necessarily in the first round, but their first selection was a pitcher because there were a couple times they didn't pick until the second round. Um, whether they made it to the majors or not, we, you know, Asa Lacey doesn't count because there just hadn't been enough time. Brady Singer made it to the, to the majors, and of course he was a, you know, a college pitcher. Um, high school pitchers like Ash Rus Russell, uh, not in the majors. Uh, then a, a bunch of, of college-drafted pitchers made it, right? Brandon Finnegan, Kyle Zimmer, took him a while, of course. Aaron Crow, Luke Hochaver. But... Um, before that, the, the the previous pitcher that the Royals took first was Zach Greinke, and it worked out worked out okay. So I, I looked this up actually, and I'm going to get the details maybe a little bit wrong, but from 2007 to 2016, so that's 10 drafts, and you know, I'm not going <laughs> closer to, than 2016, just with the idea that five years you need to to, to project some guys. Um, but in those 10 drafts, there were 19 high school pitchers selected in the top 10, and one of them was Madison Bumgarner. Another one was Zach Wheeler. Uh, the other 17 had fewer than 10 war. 13 of the 19 had fewer than one, including six or seven who never made the big leagues uh, or haven't yet. Um, and, and, and college pitchers, everybody's unpredictable, right? Like everybody can bust. Um, but college pitchers, you know, there, there's Garrett Cole in there. There's Trevor Bauer in there. There's a, there's a lot of frontline studs and those guys, and it makes sense, right? They're just they've had three years to project. Steven Strasburg. I mean, there, there's just a lot more. There's a lot more of those college guys that that make it to the big leagues, um, and that 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 stood out to me. Nineteen in the top ten in, the, in that ten year span. Uh, only one of them. Zach Wheeler's a really good pitcher, but Madison Bumgarner is the guy that that fulfilled that potential of of the team that drafted him. And look, you can go back further. Clayton Kershaw. You mentioned Greinke. Um, Justin Verlander was a high school kid. Um, you know, th there's there's other there's other guys, but that's that. The high school pitchers are just really risky. And now all that stuff that you just said, though, like the kid just turned 18, super young, fresh arm. 
athletic. I mean, it makes sense. You know what I mean? You can see Ability why, to mold them, right? Yeah. The Royals can, can and, mold them. And I think that people are getting really locked in on the 42 for Baseball America, 39 in Pipeline. And that generally is an industry consensus. But I will say with, with a guy like Mazzucato and a, and, and a time like this with COVID, those things can be a little outdated. You know, if Mazzucato is coming on fast, you know, maybe it takes Pipeline, Baseball America a little bit to catch up. Also without baseball last year, <laughs> right. you know, like who's to say if there was baseball last year, maybe he's 12 or whatever, you know. Right. Okay, let's let's take a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about the, the local high school players that the Royals selected early, and then also why Kansas City Twitter lost its mind during the Home Run Derby <laughs> last night. The Kansas City Royals lineup is backed up by the region's strongest team in healthcare, the University of Kansas Health System. We both suit up with one goal in mind, to win. The University of Kansas Health System, official healthcare provider of the Royals. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners, unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Star's award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site, and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. Okay, so uh, Frank Mazzucato, not the only player drafted by the Royals, believe it or not. Uh, not, a, not the only high school pitcher drafted by the Royals early. I know I'm going to botch the name. I apologize to the, to the family um, who, based on the, you know, the, the location of the high school lived near me somewhere. Uh, ben Kadruna, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, Ben, in, into the family, um, was taken number 43 overall, Blue Valley Southwest, uh, prospect according to MLB.com, number 46 overall. Uh, terrific stats this past year, 9-1 with an 0-9-9 ERA, um, was an LSU commit, and um, and the Royals took him number 43. Let's also bring in Carter Carter Jensen, catcher from Park Hill, 78th overall. So I think that's uh, those were the second and fourth picks by the Royals, right? Yep. Because um, uh, yep, there's the Alabama kid, in between. right? In between. So um, it may not be common knowledge, but the Royals have their own kind of developmental program in town for youth baseball, don't they? Yeah, it's the, the, the Royal Scout team is one of those uh, programs. It's like a grassroots, you know, um, baseball development. Uh, you know, they do tournaments. You'll see them sometimes. Uh, I think so, I don't think they're always based out of the Urban Youth Academy, but I think they've played out of there sometimes. And um, so a lot of the local coaches, a lot of the local players have some interaction with the Royals at an early stage and with their scouting department. And both of those players are guys who were who played on their scout teams in the past, and the Royal Scouting Department has known them for years, known their families, known, you know, just seen them sort of grow up in the game. I think it's cool to, to, to draft 
kids like this. Um, I, I know that the, the the Braves did this a lot. When Dayton Moore was in Atlanta, that was, you know, Chipper Jones was most famously, right, the, the Atlanta area kid who the Braves drafted. But that was sort of a Braves philosophy to – and of course, the, the the amount of talent there is different than than here. But I, I will say that um, amateur baseball in this area is it's terrific. It just is. I mean, teams around here win high school state championships all the time now, and and they're sending to, to the draft and the major league teams. I I want to say that the last and I'm please I, I know I'm probably wrong on this, but remember Jason Adam, the, the pitcher mm-hmm. from Blue Valley North. Yeah. That may have been the last like local product that the Royals drafted as high. I think he was a fifth round, fourth or fifth round kid and, and made his major league debut with the Royals before they he ended up being traded. So good on the Royals for, for drafting local and uh, be, be really, you know, it, when, those, when, when those kids speak to the media, they, and, and particularly were the, the time and when, they, when they've played high school ball, they grew up watching 2014 and 2015 Royals teams. So they, they've That's gotten right. the good times of, of the Royals. So good for them. And um, <laughs> uh, I was, I was, I'm thinking of when uh, when they drafted Aaron Crow, local kid. Local kid, Topeka. Like, what are your Royals memories? And it was like <laughs> late 90s, you know, early 2000s. And it was just like, right. huh. <laughs> crickets, crickets, crickets. Right. It was a lot better now. Not, not the case for, uh, for, for these two local kids. So congratulations to them. All right, let's, uh, so the All-Star festivities culminate tonight with the All-Star game. Um, Salvador Perez, the starting catcher, is going to catch Shoney Otani, right? And Salvi batting seventh uh, in the order. That's about right. I think that's about right for him. I'm sure. just looking at the order. It seems like good place for him. And Whit Merrifield on the All-Star team for the second time was a injury replacement. I can't remember who he replaced. Jose Altuve. Altuve, right, Altuve, right for, for the Astros. So... Royals, last place in the AL Central, two representatives on the All-Star team. Good deal. Um, in between, uh, let's quickly uh, talk about the, the Futures game. Uh, Bobby Wood Jr., Nick Prado participated. And if Bobby, Bobby, Witt let off the, Bobby Wood Jr. let off the game with a ball that was exit below 113 miles an hour, if it was a foot either way, it would have knocked down the wall instead of <laughs> instead of the outfielder. So that was kind of encouraging to see his two at bat because both balls pretty hard hit. Yeah, it was just fun listening to him mic'd up for uh, that yeah. second at bat, and he's talking to you know the play-by-play announcers as he's in the batter's box, and then as he you know he smokes another ball that gets caught, and he's just come on, get over his head. And I talk, and he's rounding back towards the dugout, talking about I gotta get in the weight room. That, that, that ball's gotta get out, <laughs> you know. So it's just, it, you know, and he's you know obviously Royals fans have been. You know, tracking everything that he does for a couple of years now, but it was just f- see him at having fun in that you know that setting was kind of cool. I bet we see him sometime at Kauffman Stadium sometime in so. second half of the season after after a s- Omaha trip. I wouldn't be surprised if that Omaha thing happens very soon. Like right, right. <laughs> you know, what time uh, is it? Uh, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. And and I think they they've wanted. I mean, that's been part of the plan to to get him up at some point. I I will say this though, like you know. Somewhat famously in Kansas City, at least they thought about putting him on the big league roster uh, for a little bit during spring training. The way his season has gone, pretty much validates that Double A was probably the right spot, you know, because yeah. he really struggled the first what was it, Lynn, three weeks? Yeah, four weeks, I mean, whatever. I think I've, I've said this before, but I'll, I'll say one more time. I mean, you know, it's almost <laughs> as though 
40 games in minor leagues, <laughs> he wasn't enough. Seven. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't enough to put yeah. a guy right in the big leagues. Who would yeah. have ever thought of that? And, <laughs> and you know, I mean, and and who would have said that and not got shouted down? Huh? <laughs> but that also, I mean, Bobby Wood Jr. sucks up all the energy and deservedly so. But um, Nick Prado is a hell of a development for the Royals. I mean, there was a time a couple years ago, people not. Lonnie or Scott Sharp or any, but there were people that were kind of writing them off, you know, mm -hmm. that this is just high school bat that they took, what, 15th, something like that? It was pretty uh, high, yeah. You know, sort of middle of the first round, not going to make it, um, and he's really, he's really come on. Uh, yeah, if you're, if you're projecting Royals starting lineups for, I don't know, 2023, 2024, yeah. he's, he's a oh, strong for sure. consideration for yeah. that. Yeah, the Santana two-year deal lines yes. up pretty nice. <laughs> pretty nice, <laughs> right, yeah. exactly, yeah. exactly, so... You know, not every year I'm interested in the home run derby uh, for obvious <laughs> reasons because it's been going on since the 80s, I think. It has to be because Bo Jackson was in it in, in 1989, and last night was only the fourth time a Royals player has participated in it. Um, if you had listened to the ESPN broadcast, you would not have known that a Royals player had participated in it. Uh, but... Uh, 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 but Salvador Perez was was pretty phenomenal in this thing, mm -hmm. and uh, hit 28 home runs, the second most in regulation time of the first round. Unfortunately for Salvi, um, he was aligned against uh, Pete Alonso, who hit 35 home runs, set the home run derby record. So Alonso's amazing, right? Was, he's like he's built for home run derby. 100. <laughs> percent I mean, he's a good hitter. Otherwise, he hit 53 home runs as a rookie. So maybe he's going to end up with. 600 in his career or something. Yeah. The guy's a freak. But, you know, the way he's bobbing and, the, you know, dancing. Oh, I yeah, that yeah, was yeah, kind of, yeah. it was good show, right? Yeah. What, what wasn't good TV in Kansas City was the Pete Alonso interview that took place throughout the entire Salvador <laughs> Perez appearance in the batter's right. box. Salvi's, you know, what would have been record-tying performance was B-roll for, you know, the Alonso interview. <laughs> and folks in Kansas City were having none of that. No, um... Kansas City Twitter, not too pleased uh, with, with that. I, sent a, I, I retweeted an ESPN stats and info thing. I can't remember the denotation, but even that got blasted. Like, it was a, a pretty distinct thing uh, about some sort of record he set. It was like, uh, for too bad your broadcast was you know, so, so horrible. And it, every chance, boom. Check even, they didn't even like the makeup makeup interview. They didn't even enjoy that. It, it, they thought I it was know, just a, that's a, right. A, Salvador did, Perez did get his five minutes of, of ESPN <laughs> chuckles. But, uh. yeah. and, and even like um, Joel Goldberg, uh, I think like in the middle of it, tweeted like, hey guys, like go to the StatCast broadcast oh, yeah, on yeah. ESPN2 or whatever. Uh, you know, they're giving Salvi all this love. Just screw that, you know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, it, the deed is done. <laughs> it checks so many boxes, right? Because... Um, you know, <laughs> there's not a lot. I mean, there's one, and he plays quarterback at least, but there's not a lot of athletes around here that are more loved by Kansas City. And, <laughs> you know, ooh, disrespecting us <laughs> well, <laughs> on a national stage. Well, and, and the fact that's going to get Kansas City yeah, hot. Well, the fact that they did it for a New York guy, too, is yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, oh, oh there's, there's no way people yeah. aren't going to feel some type of way about that. You, you, you just pushed them aside for the New York guys. Oh, man. <laughs> That ain't going to go well. Yeah. <laughs> As I recall, the last time the Royals' emotions were so stoked during an all-star home, home, yeah. home run derby also involved the New York players. Mm, sure <laughs> and, uh, and 
Man, we get upset about our home run derby slice, don't we? <laughs> that was incredible. That was an amazing Of course, night. we're talking about Robinson Cano in 2012. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody tweeted the graphic of the, uh, it was eight players in the home run derby then. The whole thing was structured differently, and it wasn't a, a face-off, right, or a bracket. It was just all eight players and whoever had the most advanced. And so they listed the totals of everybody in the first round. And I forgot who... Somebody, whoever advanced had 11, right? Uh, and, and then they went, you know, basically one through eight. And in eighth place was Robinson Cano with no home runs <laughs> because he was booed <laughs> loudly every time he came up the plate. And we're, we're, we're talking all around it. The reason he was booed as lustily as he was was because he mentioned he was going to put Billy Butler on the team, yeah. on, the home run, on the lineup, and he didn't do it. And that just drove Kansas City fans nuts. That was the best part, too, because, like, Billy, it's not like he was a snub. For the <laughs> right, 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 right. We had <laughs> to have Billy like... Butler on the team. God, that was great. One, one other thing about Sal last night is mm. everybody talks about, like, home run derby screwing up your swing. He was swinging. That was the same swing he takes 0-2. He was hitting home runs to right field, too, yeah, I noticed. Yeah, that was, that was a, just the exact same swing. I was kind of worried that, like, He's probably going to get balls down the middle, you know. Like that no might be his problem. Him, but he, you know, foul him back. He showed he can handle those pitches too. <laughs> it was good to see. Uh, it was fun to watch him, and I didn't realize this until I think it was Jason Stark pointed out on Twitter that ten of the last twelve pitches that he saw saw he hit out. Yeah. So it was it was quite a display by Sam. It really was. Yeah, it was amazing. The previous Royals high for a home run derby total was ten by Moustakas a couple of years ago. So, look, hey, that reminds me, just real quick, what happened to your guy, Bo, with one? What, what was the deal on the, the... Hey, man, he was saving it up for the, for the actual game. Okay. Let, let off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he did, yeah, yeah, yeah. Rick Russell was pitching. Yeah. yeah. Threw a game that, that, that 82 mile an hour fastball. Yeah, three <laughs> inches off the plate. That was three inches too many. <laughs> the MVP for that That's SWAT. Right. Stole a base later in the game. <laughs> do you really know the details of the All-Star game? I'm sorry. I do. God. I was 11. What do you want from me? <laughs> um, okay, so uh, tonight the All-Star game with uh, Salvador Perez hitting second. Or seventh, I'm sorry. Uh, the Royals resume the season and all of baseball on Friday. Uh, a lot of home games coming up over the next couple weeks. I think 10 of the next 12 are... At home, there's a two-game trip to to Milwaukee. Uh, it tucked in there. What, what do the Royals do with the rotation here, though? This is the time to reset the rotation. Uh, it's pretty much the same cast of characters, but maybe different order. Probably. Um, they they hadn't. Uh, well, I was going to say they hadn't determined. If they had determined, they hadn't let us in on it <laughs> as yeah. of the the end of um, uh, the first half. And they didn't. And they didn't play that game on Sunday. They got rained out. So, um, Basically, everybody's in play, but they just haven't said for sure what they're going to do with that. Um, it'll be interesting when you get to the second half, if we start seeing some of those guys come back, some of the young guys, because you, you still, I think we talked about whether it was last week or the week before, that you still have to find out about them. And it's not to say that you're going to, you know, determine who's in the rotation next year based off of the end of the season, but you still have to see some of those guys, and, and they have to get over some of the stuff that they went through earlier in the year, because if they're going to be in the rotation next year, they, the last experience can't be, you know, going two innings over two starts. Like that, you know, some, so they, I think you're going to have to see some of that, and they're going to have to 
you know, make some of those strides in the big leagues late in the season. And, I mean, this is just me thinking out loud, but I, I would think I'd like to see some of that before we get to September when your, you know, rosters expand and yep. there's a lot of 4A and 3A type, yeah. you know, things going on. So it'd be interesting to see how they handle it. I like that. I think that's a really great way to look at it. I hope, it, I hope it's something, uh, some advice they follow. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they're taking my advice, but hey, I'm glad somebody liked it. <laughs> the, the whole thing, like, um, this deserves a sigh right now, just a deep sigh. But, like, there's been so many years, and I didn't think this would be another one, but there's been so many years that it's just, by this time of year, you know it's going to be a losing season, but the goal becomes to not make it a lost season. <laughs> And here we are. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's not, I mean, that's, that's probably the most important part. It'll be up at some point, I assume. Um, but there's also, there's just a lot of things that they need to see. I'd like to see um, Olivares get some regular Absolutely. time, you know, just to see, is he a 4A guy, like a lot of scouts think? Or, can or is he, he next a, year's left fielder? Or a fourth or outfielder, a, yeah, yeah fourth whatever. Um, you know, there's, just, there's a lot of stuff like that that, that that they need to get taken care of. Okay, well, we'll we'll spend more time next week talking about the second half of the season, and and it occurred to me when when Sam was remembering his eleven year old watching of the All Star <laughs> game that I remember my eleven year old watching of the All Star game. It was in Detroit. Roberto Clemente hit a solo home run, his only All Star game home run late in the game to make it a six to four loss by the National <laughs> League. And you're making fun of me for remembering both stolen base. <laughs> So we'll get to Vahe and Lynn's 11-year-old uh, all-star game-watching experience next week. Um, but thanks to the University of Kansas Health System. Thanks to you all. Thanks to, to, to Bob and Bill and others who, who uh, wrote in. Thanks to Beth Welsh, our producer, and especially to these guys, Sam Vahe and Lynn. We'll talk to you again next Tuesday. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our Sportsbeat KC production staff of Derek Donovan, Beth Welsh, Monty Davis, Jeff Rosen, Chris Fickett, and Savannah Smith. Tip of the cap to Lynn Worthy, Sam Belliger, and Vahe Gregorian for stopping by and talking Royals. Links to their stories can be found in the show notes and on KansasCity.com. Hey, we've got another deal for you. You can subscribe to Sports Pass for 99 cents a month. That's right, 99 pennies a month. Sports Pass is the online version of the Star Sports section. You get all the stories that appear in the print editions of the Star, plus additional stories that appear only on the website, and of course they appear first on KansasCity.com. After three months, it auto-renews at $5.99 a month, unless you cancel. It's a great time to subscribe. Read about what's going on with the Chiefs, the Royals, the colleges, our soccer teams, a whole lot of soccer going on, and much more. How do you get it? You go to KansasCity.com slash SportsPass2020. That is KansasCity.com slash SportsPass2020. You want more than just sports coverage? Check out the entire Kansas City Star product. Sports, news, features, commentary, and analysis, the whole thing. You get all the stories written by my talented colleagues, plus additional national news, sports, and business coverage with the E-Edition. The details for all of these deals can be found at account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. And if you're having trouble hunting down any of the offers, you just send me an email, bkirkoff at kcstar.com, and I will get you to the right place. So whether it's the Sports Pass or the full subscription, You're getting and supporting the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City and helping us produce programs like Sports Beat KC. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back on Wednesday with another episode.